to two people that uh, two people that mean a lot to me, and for different reasons. Obviously, I work with I have the security for Shine Down, and Eric is the bass player for the band Shine Down, and my good friend Dr. Steve Greer, who is someone that I kind of reached out to a couple of years ago when I was actually of oddly of all places Red Rocks uh, with Nickelback, and we the night before we were talking about UFOs and stuff at Red Rocks, and Ryan Peak, the guitar player, Nickelback, actually goes, hey, have you seen this documentary of Steve Greer on Acknowledged? And I'm like, well, don't, what the hell are you talking about? We watched it that night at the bus. I reached out the next day, and Dr. Greer reaches out, and we couldn't make it work, but last two years ago, you came to a Shinedown show. That's right. Where we got to hang out, meet, and just ask a bunch of questions. And so to have you both here is uh, it's quite awesome. I'm very fortunate. Yeah, it's great. It's good yeah. to see you again and good to see Eric uh, with Shine Down again. Yeah, man. Nice to see you both. And, and that's a very nice thing for you to say, John. Thanks. Yeah. Look, we were at the Jiffy Lube Arena, I think, out here outside DC, where I am right now. And yep. you guys were playing and uh, Godsmack was playing. And yep. I, I, I was just texting with uh, Sully, kind uh, <laughs> of uh, Godsmack today. Good, good dude, man. In fact, I didn't, you know, he and I never spoke about any of this, and I had no idea that he was he was as into it as he is and as plugged mm -hmm. into everything as he is. And until that, until he found out that you were there, and and he he, I watched I watched Sully earn a fangirl a little bit. It was fun. Oh yeah, we had a great time with all you guys. It was you know the way that happened. One of the roadies uh, who were uh, putting his equipment up when you guys got off the stage recognized me. He says, "What are you doing here?" I said, "Well, you know." Eric Bass and these guys invited me to come. And he says, oh, my God, does Sully know you're here? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm going to go tell him. So that's how that happened. It was yeah, and, and and a little bit of a little bit of backstory of how John and I came to, 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 to this subject was was that I had read the book Unacknowledged and, ah. uh, at first, and, and I had not watched the documentary at all. And uh, I, I just I wasn't aware of it. I don't spend a lot of time. I try not to spend too much time watching watching anything or, or online right. or anything like that too much. Uh, but I read the book and uh, I think when John first came to work for us, I think it was one of the first conversations that he and I ever had. It was, yes. it, it was about was I said, man, have you read this book unacknowledged? And he just like his eyes got this big and he goes, he goes, I know Dr. Greer, you know, and 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 so we and and so then John was like, we have to watch the documentary. So so that, you know, so I, I, I watched the documentary after that and and I got my, my wife actually read the book as well. And then and then because she watched the documentary with me and then read the book. Yeah, so, I, uh, I mean, you, you, don't, you never meet anyone who reads anymore, so that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'm only half joking with that comment. <laughs> well, Eric can't read. He actually read your coloring book. Morris <laughs> yeah. code, right? Like we said earlier, just, just <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, Dr. Greer, the first kind of question I have is, I know with the premiere coming up, Debbie Lovato is going to be there, and people like Eric, Sully, Stephen Tyler, Chris Daughtry, uh, Jeremy Pivot, people like that, is it, how important is it to have people out there that they have a built-in audience to kind of help, not necessarily, not push your agenda, but help people understand what is going on in some of the work you're doing? Well, it's really important. Of course, Demi Lovato is going to be there virtually because of this COVID surge, so her medical team doesn't want her there in person. But, um, you know, she just did the People's Choice Award on Sunday, and that was all very, like, in a hangar somewhere in Santa Monica, all separated um, and we're going to socially distance and do things at this uh, big theater in, uh, in in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's Friday, so those of you wanting to see this, um, oh, I'm sorry. 
it's Debbie. <laughs> yeah. So what, what? So what we're gonna, you know, do is, is have this, uh, you know, a lot of it virtual, so people can actually, uh, you know, see it online, and then we're gonna put it online and keep it there. So we're gonna have a red carpet, and the reason for that is that, um, as you know, this subject has been blacklisted by most of the media, mm-hmm. unless unless the leaks and the information coming out are portraying the extraterrestrial presence as a existential threat. If it's portrayed as a threat, what happens is that they then uh, will allow it to be on the news. And it's very rare exceptions to that. So if you see, like a couple years ago, they released this footage of our Navy jets chasing these UFOs off the coast of California. And uh, that came out of a Pentagon uh, deliberate leak, let's call it. The people behind that uh, controlled the strings of major media and they got on there and said, you know, this is a threat to our national security, blah, 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 blah. The usual warmongering nonsense. And um, we, we, you know, that's the agenda. So I always tell people if it breaks into the mainstream media, it's almost always been cleared by the intelligence community and it has a spin on it. That's complete BS. It's just completely false. So I think it's very important that people realize that this is why, like I was very happy that Demi Lovato, I, you know, I mean, I didn't know her personally, but she saw Close Encounters of the Fifth Time, which by the way is now on uh, Amazon Prime, and so is Unacknowledged. Hmm. These two documentaries have both just been released on Amazon Prime globally. And she was so excited to see it, and uh, she actually on her birthday, in July, when she turned 28, we have an app called the CE5 Contact app that trains people in the techniques of meditation, consciousness, contact, a whole lot of really advanced concepts. And she was doing it with a bunch of friends on her birthday, and they had a big uh, UFO come over and had this amazing contact experience. Wow! So then last month, we went up to Joshua Tree with Demi Lovato and Maud Sun and a lot of their friends and did a whole, you know, week, uh, several days out under the, the skies. And if you get on our site, you'll see this amazing ship that came right above us, cobalt blue, and then this other object that floated over for six minutes that was silent. Um, and, you know, she just loves it because I told her, I said, I need people like you guys to help us get the word out because the mainstream media and even the big tech companies often shadow ban all of our content. So it's really important to help with that because what I've told people, if you look at Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, part of the concept is in there that there's a a 1% of the population becoming coherent in consciousness and higher states of consciousness can shift the other 99%. And people say, what does that have to do with UFOs? It has everything to do with it because uh, these interstellar civilizations are using uh, technologies that are consciousness-based for their communication systems. Sort of what Elon Musk is working on with Neuralink. Right. You've heard yeah, of the Neuralink project, where he's trying to put together a system where you can think to your computer like this, and it does everything. And I don't and mean we have, and we, you know, and we have pretty good. We have pretty good evidence of of these types of things happening. Correct. I mean, for, via uh, the random number generators and that sort of thing, all over place, all over the world, and 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 evidence of pretty pretty stunning evidence of a of a of a group consciousness. Yes, and that's the whole thing that it only a, a one person can affect 
something at a remote distance with consciousness and thought, but a group of people doing it coherently, let's say, has orders of magnitude larger effect. So that's why we're doing, like with the premiere on Friday night, uh, we're going to do a uh, global CE5 meditation mm. uh, uh, that will be live. And um, we're trying to do those on a regular basis. We did one from Joshua Tree last month. Um, and But getting the word out is really important when you're sort of the big underdog taking on these corrupt uh, interests. And they are corrupt. I mean, I'm here in Washington right now, and the level of uh, corruption that exists within media and government is almost unbelievable. To the ordinary citizen, you know, it, it's mind-boggling. Mm. With the current, at the onset of COVID, they started doing these declassifications of videos and information. Is that, were they looking for an event like COVID to release this where in any normal year, people would be like, what the hell's going on? But with COVID, it made it seem like for me, I was very, man, why are they just throwing this out here now where everyone's preoccupied with masks? Is there anything to that? Well, I think the intelligence community is very good at using any opportunity to uh, distort things and create a, a, an agenda that advances what they want. So the intelligence community has kept, for example, the UFO secret for you know 70 years or more. Uh, I'll give you a little sneak preview of something that's gonna come out eventually. I just received a, a 1920s photograph, authentic, um, from someone whose grandmother had been at the atomic bomb test site uh, of the dissection of an extraterrestrial being on a on an autopsy table. Um, this is in the briefing materials going to President-elect Biden and, and it's gone to Trump and others. But the, the point I'm making is that uh, this has been a secret for a very long time, better part of a century actually. Um, and the reason they're keeping it secret is that the power of knowing that we're not alone in the universe, but more importantly, the knowledge technologically of how those objects are moving. Like you look at that footage that was all over CNN, New York Times, that's not using a rocket. I mean, forget Elon Musk's SpaceX, you know, it just went up yesterday or whatever. Um, you're, you're talking about such advanced physics, both in the science of consciousness for communication, but also energy and propulsion, that when that comes out, it's gonna be the end of oil and gas and coal and nuclear power and public utilities and surface roads. And you know, you're talking about something that would be much bigger and it's it, that one disclosure would be bigger than everything that's happened from the industrial revolution to now. So there are a lot of powerful vested interests that don't want things to change, even if we destroy the biosphere, maintaining the status quo. So there are a few of us who are advocating for a change and moving forward, but there's, you know, the center of power certainly is against what we're doing, which understands why we have so many problems getting this information out. And that, and that, and that is your main focus here, correct? I mean, that, that is why we, why you're doing this, correct? I mean, is, is to, is to bring this to light that, that, you know, these, these powers, this zero point energy, um, this type of thing is available to everyone. It has been given to us, yet it's being suppressed and kept by by the government. The government well, by, by parts of the government that most of the government don't know exist. So the what you know, one of the things that everyone needs to see is, is this documentary unacknowledged. Mm -hmm. It sort of analyzes how do you maintain a secret this big? 
how does that operate? And, you know, I started out with maybe a dozen top secret whistleblowers. And now I have over 980 that disclosed information to me from inside covert operations. Uh, Some are corporate, aerospace, many are military, some are intel, CIA, DIA, naval intelligence. And and so what I tell people is that this information um, has vast implications for uh, the, the future sustainable planet we need to have. But it also has big ramifications for stakeholders in those industries I just mentioned, which in their aggregate is in excess of a thousand trillion dollars in asset and and market caps and what have you. So one of the problems is that we've stayed too long in a paradigm that should have gone the way of the dinosaurs in the fifties. And you know, it's interesting if you look at, um, one of the documents we have in our these documentaries is a letter from uh, Ben Rich, who is the head of the Lockheed Skunk Works. And it was a letter between him and a friend that we acquired from his friend's wife, widow. And it was correspondence in 1986. Now we're talking, what, you know, uh, 30, 34 years ago. Um, and between Ben Rich and his friend, it's, and, and, the, and the friend was saying, look, are these UFOs ours or are they extraterrestrial? And Ben Rich in his handwriting signed on the stationery for Lockheed Skunk Works says, it's both. They're both ours and wow. extraterrestrial. So we always tell people, you know, I mentioned this when I was on one of these TV shows not long ago and I said, you know, this is not my opinion. You know, this is, we have so much evidence on this. It's unbelievable. This this black book right here is going president-elect Biden that has an enormous amount of information. I mean, a copy's already gone. Um, and to uh, Vladimir Putin and to the Trump administration. And so what we're trying to do is put together a coalition to disclose this information and with it the sciences and technologies um, that would completely change the way our civilization operates and would make it sustainable into the future thousands and thousands of years. Uh, the caveat is <laughs> these technologies have to be used peacefully. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the people who have the technologies that have been developed are not using them peacefully already, although they're very clandestine operations. For example, we have been tracking and targeting extraterrestrial vehicles for decades and hitting them which is on uh, Sunday, the November 22nd, you're going to see a top secret witness come forward that's gonna go wide over our channels, who is a retrieval uh, specialist on a, a vessel, Coast Guard vessel off the coast of Guam. And this was recent, this is 2002, and he was called in on a mutual assist um, from operations to retrieve an ET vehicle that had been disabled that was uh, caught in the net of another, of a fishing vessel from Taiwan. Hmm. And he's, he comes forward full name, rank, serial number, and all the particulars of how this happened. So now he didn't know the backstory of how these things actually get disabled. And I always point out, you don't travel from another star system or another galaxy and just somehow can't navigate around the earth. Um, there are very high-powered electronic weapons 
that have been placed on satellites, that are on aircraft, that are on the ground in the oceans that track and target these objects. And one of my big projects has been to try to get a stand down order on that. Okay, so um, because the the risks uh, are enormous. And, And I always tell people one of the greatest proofs that these civilizations are not hostile is that they have not struck back. Um, if, if they were hostile, given what we've been doing since at least the 40s, um, and by the way, Roswell that everyone hears about, that was not an accident. They didn't go through a thunderstorm and couldn't navigate an electrical storm, but you can <laughs> intergalactic distances. That was actually a targeted hit. And um, I have a document that's up on our website that's actually become the most viewed document now on the FBI's website because we forced it out. That is a field officer in Roswell from 1947 reporting back to J. Edgar Hoover here in D.C. that they had set up a new, quote, radar. And radar, I put in quotes, that's a euphemism for a weapon system often. That's piggybacked on radar, that's electronic weapon systems. And they had a new radar system that uh, apparently caused these three craft. There were not there were three that actually went down. Two were found right away. One was found uh, three or four years later in a remote area of, of northwestern uh, New Mexico. But what's interesting about that is that those were the early days of experimenting with electromagnetic weapons. And uh, those have now gone through dozens of generations of refinement, unfortunately. So this is, you know, this is an unacknowledged crisis. And what we're trying to do is to let the public know this is a crisis and what we can do about it. So that what we can do about it is disclosure, which is what the disclosure project that I founded is. And the other thing we can do about it is the movie Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which you guys have seen. That is really about sort of a mass diplomatic effort where we ask the public to learn a set of techniques to make contact with these civilizations. And this is astonishing for people to entertain the idea, but they actually do respond if you do it in the right ethical purpose, the right uh, intent, as it were. And that's what's in this movie. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, the footage of the, and photographs of the ET beings, and they come in and out of other dimensions from mm-hmm. other systems. It's mind-blowing stuff, and it's all real. And I told people that this is something that, you know, I've been doing since I was 18 when I had a contact experience long before I was an emergency doctor. And uh, that now I'm, I'm trying to train people to do this so that we just bypass the government. It's like, why do we need to go? I, you know, the head of Army Intelligence threatened my life back in 1992. And he says, who the hell do you think you are? And I said, look, I'm a free citizen of the earth and of the cosmos. And I don't need your permission. You can go pound salt. And uh, I went mano a mano with this guy. He was yeah. a total sociopath. That was, that was one of the most striking moments of, of Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind for me was that when you were speaking about that exchange and the fact that these individuals were mad that you had the ability to do what you do, and all of us have, the, all of us with 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 uh, good intentions and and you know, I guess I would say pure hearts and, and clear minds yep. have this ability. Therefore, someone who or or, or a, a person or or a or a group who has nefarious intentions, you know, the, these beings are going to know their intentions 
simply by the fact that their consciousness and what they're plugged plugged into, uh, and therefore they don't have that ability, right? Is, you know, they're actually very jealous of the fact that guys like you and me can do what we're doing, and they can't. <laughs> they can yeah. try. That was one of those. That was one of the moments that that I that I had you know mentally circled with in watching in, in both times that I've that I've watched uh, Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind. That is one of those moments that sticks out in my mind. It's like wow, you know, it, it, it's true. You know, they, they that it makes total sense that that the shadow government or the military or or whoever wants to, wants to get their hands just only on technology, just just for the pure purpose of 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 you know what you know quote unquote national security or, or or world security or whatever you know they would be or, or and 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 I'm assuming are uh, you know just extremely uh, bent out of shape about the fact that it's so easy for 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 for, for you yourself and those who who pursue uh, you know CE five contact uh, you know it, it's it's that, that it's that easy you know to make to make contact. Actually, I think that's what astonished Demi Lovato because she got the app, which is a brand new app that actually helps you network with other people in your area and hook up and go out and do this. And it's a whole training program in this app and um, the CE5 contact app. And she just did it with some friends on her birthday and had this amazing event happen that they all saw. And she realized that, you know what, if you do this, you know, innocently and you're not doing it to have a militarized approach, these civilizations, that's what they're waiting for. I always, people say, what are they waiting for? I said, they're waiting for us to quit acting like morons hmm. and do something peaceful and constructive. Um, and they've been waiting a long time. And that's why it needs to be a mass public movement because it, it's not that I don't still try to provide information to government leaders, but frankly, you know, as you know, I've been briefing people like the Clinton administration and, and the CIA director, or the first CIA director for Bill Clinton since... 92 and 93 and um it's the the way governments work is that there's so much pressure not to do something that upsets the status quo particularly the big funders and stakeholders and the political process and this is left right center republican democratic this country canada uk it really doesn't matter everyone gets you know into this sort of partisan mindset, but I said, the group that's running these projects, they, they don't care, or I hate to say this, a rat's ass about all the things that everyone's fighting about. They want everyone to be diverted fighting, so they're looking in the wrong direction. So they can get away with their dirty little activities on the side, and nobody's watching. Nobody's watching, and the media isn't reporting it. Um, and the only time the media ever reports this issue is when uh, the intelligence community says, cover this, and it will always have this spin, you know, which is they're very good at the spinmeisters in Washington. They're very good at spinning it as a uh, incursion into our airspace or a threat to our national security. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen Marco Rubio, the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee chairman on, on CNN and other networks saying, yes, we need to investigate this. It's a threat to our national security. Now, why did that happen? And why has President Trump made comments like that? Hmm. It's because they have been briefed by people who I know who go up there and tell them all these lies. And, uh, you know, all the way back to Ronald Reagan when he started the whole SDI, Star Wars, you know, putting things in space to, you know, shoot things. That was, you know, you guys may not recall that, but in the back in the 80s. And I met hmm. with a Colonel Holman 
who was on the uh, Air Force uh, committee that was trying to persuade first Jimmy Carter and then Ronald Reagan to develop these weapons. And the reason that was done in, in classified briefings was we have to fight the alien threat. And of mm -hmm. course, you know, Jimmy Carter, who was a nuclear engineer, by the way, was way too smart to fall for that. But unfortunately, Reagan took it hook, line, and sinker, which is why at the UN he said, wouldn't our job of creating world unity be easier if we had a common alien threat to unite against? I'm going, oh, great. The only way the world can be peaceful and united is that we're <laughs> another planet. I mean, you know, this is like, you know, taking 20 steps backwards, right? You know? So one of the big problems is that when you, when you the public needs to understand when you become president of the United States or uh, chairman of the Senate intelligence community and you make an inquiry into this, they will either tell you nothing or they will tell you one lie after another lie after another lie, which is one of the reasons why I keep a place here in D.C. to try to correct that. But it's my disclosure project group against the entire covert establishment trying to convince them. So it's it's obviously, you know, Lawrence Rockefeller called it, a, you know, he said, don't waste your life trying to do this. But. You know, my own view of it is that, you know, you got to do it. It's that the stakes are too high. And, you know, you come in as a person like uh, most politicians out of business or law or governors or what have you. You don't know how these guys are operating. I mean, they're going to run circles around you. So um, we need some checks and balances. And the fourth estate, the media is supposed to do that. But they're so corrupt. If you look at this documentary, this, this famous uh, civil rights and constitutional attorney, uh, mm -hmm. Dan Sheehan, he says, yeah, back in the Pentagon paper days, in the 70s, I saw a document that listed 42 people on the major media all over the world that were on the payroll of the CIA. These were senior national security editors and stuff like that. So I tell people, look at this. You know, these I've tried to, you know, I was telling before we went live to John that you know, both these documentaries, which are almost four hours of content, is like the very smallest tip of an iceberg of, of what's in my archives. But um, when, when you hear something like that from someone of, of, of Daniel Sheehan's stature, you realize that what the public are allowed to hear and see and know uh, on any media, you know, it doesn't matter if it's left, right, center, you know, forget that. Yep. It, it has to go through a process. And, and this idea of uh, that people are getting information uh, accurately from the news media is just not true and on this subject, not on every subject, but on this subject. So I think that's why it's, it's incumbent on the citizens to disclose this information to each other the best way we can. And then secondly, to create our own contact teams with these civilizations. Um, and, you know, if the United Nations and our State Department and other countries aren't going to do it peacefully, why can't we? And that's been sort of what I, the whole foundation of the project that I founded back up. Uh, this is actually the 30 year anniversary of wow. founding, uh, the CE5 contact initiative. Wow. And, um, that's why I did it. And eventually I left my medical career because I realized if we don't get this right. Um, you know, it, we're in for a very rocky future. I, I, you, you, you were putting. I, I've got a whole host of questions, but I don't want to over. <laughs> I don't want to take over John's John's show here. No, you're so, good. Uh, I love it. Go with I, it. I, well, I mean, I, let, let's let's start with uh, with with this, uh, and and I'm going to put on my what what most people would consider a tinfoil hat if I said this outside of of this sphere uh, here. But so what you're talking about, 
what we're seeing right now in some sense with with covid right now we're kind of see I, i'm starting to notice this 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 um, I think, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau came out a couple of days ago with the state where he's talking about, uh, you know, resetting everything and resetting the world. And we're seeing this build back better, uh, uh, you know, and with, with Boris Johnson, with Justin Trudeau, with, with, with Joe Biden. It seems like more of a united world front where they're talking about resetting. I'm, just, I'm, I'm kind of prefacing my question with that. Is it easier? Is, is this something you think that, that, that they're trying to do on purpose where they're trying to say, OK, would it be easier for them to carry out what they're trying to carry out with a world government versus individual governments? Um, or or is it uh, am I am I off base in thinking that 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 uh, that that maybe this is sort of, you know, they're maybe trying to trying to implement part one of a plan to to uh, to set up more of a world, more of a world government than what we already have. And, th- and therefore make it easier to to um, to to uh, to carry out some sort of false flag event or or um, am I making sense here? Does that does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, I think there are a lot of, of things to unpack there. Uh, one is that the false flag event has already been done. Now, what do I mean by that? If you Google this subject, any search engine, ninety plus percent of everything that comes out is counterintelligence disinformation information, right a lot of information about different experiences people have had such as abductions and mutilations and things of this sort that the intelligence community have been doing i mean one of the things that shocked people is when this air force intelligence officer that's in the documentaries stated point blank that yes they had done these abductions and of course i knew this in the early 90s because i had some clandestine uh, people come to me who had been in unacknowledged special access projects and say, hey, you know, I've been tactically on those teams. <laughs> wow. and, and so, you know, one of the problems is that when people talk about a, a, and the Pentagon uses the term deceptive indication and warning or a false indication and warning. I okay. That's the proper term in, at the Pentagon. And, you know, when I was meeting with the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, a three-star general, his main concern was that A, he wasn't being told anything about this subject, and B, he knew that these unacknowledged special access projects, USAPs, had the ability to pull off something like that, that he would be called flat-footed, as would almost all the Congress and for that matter, the, the White House. So it, it's a very dangerous thing. This is why Eisenhower said Beware the military-industrial complex because it could be a threat to our, our security and our way of life and our democracy. And that was as he left office 60 years ago in, in January of 61. So here we are almost 60 years later in January in a situation that has actually worsened in many, many regards, including what you're referring to, and that is the aggregation of power uh, in a clandestine uh, operation. I don't think that you know Justin Trudeau or people like that are, are actually read into all that. They they set things up so political leaders react I, I, in front of them. Right. So the I, are- I, guess, I guess that I guess that's maybe what I was asking was was mm-hmm. you know I'm not I'm not saying they're in on it. I'm saying they're sort they're sort of they're sort of hapless participants in this you know, maybe this you know is, is this is this sort of thing coming down from a higher place where it's like let's let's put these things in place so it's easier to organize 
a going back to what Ronald Reagan said, you know, we would all unite behind something if there were a threat. Well, is this it, what I, I guess? I guess what I was getting at was it if 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 they can already unite us somewhat prior to right, right. this. Well, um, I think that's part of one of the things that has been exploited, let's say, because of the current crisis is the ability for people unquestioningly to do exactly what they're told by state, local, and federal governments, mm. unquestioningly. And anyone who questions it is banned off social media. So, and the mainstream media. Yeah. So this is, you know, and I'm not saying that every crackpot out there, you know, saying things, you know, has a, a valid point. However, <laughs> there's a very serious problem when um, alternative and dissenting views are silenced from mm -hmm. any perspective. Um, and that's, of course, what, what, what is increasingly happening. And interestingly, Daniel Sheehan actually talks about that when, in the interview we did with him over a year and a half ago about the fact that the window on the, the internet is closing mm -hmm. to the open dialogue on a lot of the food. Um, and so you, you see a situation where, you know, in a sense, people say time is on our side. I would say that we need to hurry because these these opportunities tend to get smaller and smaller. Now, luckily, as you know, Unacknowledged was originally on Netflix. Mm -hmm. and, um, they require an exclusive, but Amazon Prime doesn't. So we've moved it on to Amazon Prime. So it can also be, you know, in December, January, it'll be out on YouTube movies and, and on Pluto and Tubi and a whole bunch of other sites all over the world. Because they, we want to get, because these are crowdfunded. By the way, thank you to everyone who participated. Mm. We, we've had about 5,000 people um, uh, donate over $900,000 for wow. Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which makes that, by the way, the number one top crowdfunded documentary in history. And Ever. it was money well spent, I yeah. would have to say. Yeah. So yeah. It, I mean, everyone made that possible because we don't have a foundation and I'm not working as a doctor anymore. And, you know, we just sort of, a lot of people see what we're doing. I go, yeah, but just remember, we don't have an office, a staff, anyone full-time working. It's my wife and me and volunteers. That's it. That, that's it for 30 years. But, you know, it's a labor of love. And, you know, that's, that's you know, what, what we do. Um, um, so it, it, we're talking about the, you know, how, how, how mainstream media is compromised and how we have very little time with, with alternative media before it becomes compromised, although it already is with, with big tech. And I would say with, with, with Google and, and, and YouTube and, you know, Twitter, et cetera. Uh, so how, you know, I, I guess this is maybe a, a naive question, but how will we know when, you know, the individual programs that we look to? Because for me, just even for my news, my daily news, I've stopped watching any sort of mainstream media. I go to alternative media. I, I, I listen to people. I don't listen to to to, to networks anymore. Um, you know, and I understand that, that in order to silence those people, they can be silent. You, you know, they can be silenced by YouTube. They can be silenced by Twitter. They can be silenced by Facebook. Um, but say that, that I do know, though, there are there are there are other companies coming out who are offering free platforms. Like we're not going to to censor you at all. You can put whatever you want up on our platform. Mm -hmm. So how will we know when when the individuals are being are not only being compromised but being threatened? I mean, are are they just going to disappear? Will they will there be some Will there be a way for us to know, you know, if we're getting disinformation from people that we, the people that we now trust, maybe to get our, to get our information? I, I think on most issues, they don't care. 
um, it, whether it's the mainstream media or alternative or, or internet. I think that when you start stepping on the toes of certain very powerful interests, then you know the system lights up. And, and, that, and, and what I'm talking about with, with, with what you're talking about, you know, with the yeah. conversations well, we're uh, having here. You know. we, we had a man who came forward who'd done work on developing a radio frequency chip um, that could be put in animals initially for, you know, like your dog this mm -hmm. was in the 70s. And when we first put that video out, he was talking about how Siemens had made two billion of them covertly under contract with the agency. And it was being used for some rather nasty projects, um, including in the, the abduction programs um, that the uh, covert humans were doing. They have nothing to do with ETs. Um, and when we put that up, within a week, at 675,000 views, someone went into the internet system and chopped off all the zeros. And yeah. a week later, it said 6,700 views. Wow. So what it did, it took it out of the search algorithms. And it mm. took it out, if you understand how that works, yeah. So we've had that happen dozens of times already in, in my world. So I think that one of the, the big issues is that people have to share what we're trying to put out. People have to share person to person. It's all very networking. Um, and what's kind of amazing is that Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, when it was on iTunes and Amazon for rent and purchase before it went on to Amazon Prime, um, was number one in the world. And we had almost no marketing budget. I mean, we're talking a couple hundred thousand dollars for a thing for a global release, which is what we raised because the distributor, by the way, just so people listening, pays zero for getting the word out. That's all on us. Nothing. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. So, you know, if people find out about it, it's through guys like you and Demi Lovato and what, what little we can scrap together. And by the way, we still have this CE5film.com side up for people to contribute um, for us to be able to do sort of a getting the word out campaign. We call it the 1% campaign. Yeah. But if we can get 1% of the public, which in the United States would only be, you know, like 3 million people doing the CE5 contact protocols and doing these deep meditations and visualizing a peaceful future it will shift the other 99%. The studies that have been done on meditation and on the science of consciousness are really amazing that way, which is why we included all that in this documentary. But that's why getting the word out is really important. And, and luckily we're not in an election, right? We don't need 51% or 51%. <laughs> we need 1% and that's doable. You know, 1% is totally, totally doable. Right. So I, I tend to be, a very big optimist long-term because I think most humans are fundamentally good people. They want a good future. They would like to have these sciences and technologies out. They'd like their families to be secure. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to see endless war and no one wants to see uh, space weaponized, you know, um, and most people want to see space pre preserved for peaceful exploration uh, going into the future. So I think that, you know, the vast majority of humans are not, you know, sort of Dr. Strangelove sociopaths like the folks in these classified projects. Yeah, I, I have one more question. And then, John, John I promise I'll let you conduct your show. Oh, good. Uh, but to, to that point that you just made, to, to trying to get one percent of the population, uh, do you, I mean, how much of a of a of a have a, an obstacle is it to overcome? Uh, you know, you talk about the uh, the the fact that that um, 
you know, that, that uh, I, I, I guess, you know, people, not people, uh, sorry, let me back up here. I'm getting a little, I'm confusing myself with my thoughts. Uh, I don't, I'm not wrapped up in, I don't have the, the dogma of religion, the dogma of science, the dogma of, of anything to keep me from being open to something like CE5. Right. I, I, I've always just wanted uh, to know the truth. I want to know what the real world is. I want to know what my real existence is. I want to know exactly what is moving and shaking around me. And, and that's all I've ever asked for. Right. So for someone like me, it's, it's not a leap. It's not a, it's not a, uh, um, you know, I'm not jumping off of, of, of a proverbial bridge, uh, you know, to, to arrive at a place where, where I'm willing to accept these things and, and in, or attempt these things or try these things or, or be willing to listen to someone such as yourself, uh, you know, speak about, about the things that you know and the things you've experienced. However, for others, you know, it, it's, it's, they have a lot of, of personal skin in the game that they've invested in their religions and in their, and in their science, uh, you know, for, for their entire lives, some of them, um, you know, how much of an obstacle is it to convince these people to to just just give it a shot give me a chance you know give this a chance open yourself up to this and it's a whole new world you know granted it might shake your foundation but it might give you a whole other it potentially will give you a whole other foundation for your life you know i'm very philosophical about this i've been doing this for a very long time you know before i was a medical doctor i was a meditation teacher and back in the 70s i'm dating myself but i mean i just turned 65 in june so what what I found in the 70s is that if you were doing meditation, I mean, you were a freak, man. You were crazy. Mm -hmm. um, now it's called at Harvard and biofeedback and everything else. So there's a lag that happens uh, with the sort of the hidebound, I call it, closed-minded culture. But here's a very interesting and very uh, you know, encouraging statistic. Back some years ago, there was an astronaut named um, astronaut Edgar Mitchell who I was sort of mentoring and helping with this. I brought him to some briefings I did at the Pentagon back in the 90s and back um, And uh, he had an institute called the Institute of Noetic Sciences that was all about studying consciousness and the science of consciousness. And when I was doing a, um, a briefing for the board of directors of his group, the uh, IONS, uh, they, the, Senator Claiborne Pell was there and a whole lot of luminaries. and. It was interesting because they had commissioned a study by a big pollster and had found that 25% of the U.S. population were what they call cultural creatives. In other words, they were open to meditation, open to consciousness, open to yoga, open to new thought, new science, uh, alternative ideas. Now, that's 75 million people. To do what I'm talking about in a coherent way, we need 1% not 25%. Mm -hmm. but I people that, you know, it, it's, it, it's absolutely achievable. Now, as for people, you know, if someone believes the world is 6,000 years old and we rode dinosaurs with saddle, you know, no, there's a museum in Kentucky for this, by the way. So um, there is. That's fun. All right. You know, you're not no point getting into a, a mud wrestling match with someone whose ideas are, are, are so... Uh, ignorant and untutored that they beggar the imagination. But similarly, you know, as, as fanatical as that extreme is, you have an extreme like that in the scientific community mm -hmm. where they're completely closed off and closed minded to anything that deals with other dimensions, the science of consciousness, 
these advanced concepts in physics. They just look at you like you, you know, fell off a, you know, a, a comet somewhere. So I would say that that sort of extreme closed-mindedness is actually a minority, mm-hmm. but it's a dominant minority because they tend to control the narrative, the noisy narrative that's in media, whether it's religious or scientific. It isn't necessarily where where the zeitgeist is. It's not where the thrust is going. So I tell people not to confuse the PR, let's call it, of the dominant paradigm with what's actually happening in society. I think our society is rapidly evolving and changing. It just isn't acknowledged and reported on as much as the conventional status quo, because the conventional status quo controls all the organs of communication. So this question comes in from uh, Eric's bandmate, Barry Kirch, and he's the drummer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. He's Yeah, he was also one of the big fans of your work. And so mm-hmm. his question actually was, is what is the ultimate end game of the Space Force? Like, what is their, what is their task? I, I know you go on the website, they got a cool flag and logo. We laughed about it. But is there, <laughs> any, is there anything nefarious or... What are they? What are their goals? To not tell the general public. Okay, so I'm going to be saying this for the first time, and what I'm about to step into is a little dangerous, but bear me out. Give me a minute. Barry Courage said this, by the way. Not yeah. me or Eric. <laughs> Don't worry about it. If I'm if I'm the canary in the mine shaft, if I'm still twittering, you're all right. Um. So, some months ago, some people who work very closely with the White House, the president, vice president, and others approached me about this problem. Um, And as you all know, um, with, there was a a young boy that I had mentored years ago named Tom DeLong of the Blink-182 band, who then went off the reservation, got brainwashed by some generals and Pentagon people that the aliens are a threat and all that. And, um, but he was, taken under the wing of a whole group of clandestine operatives that the, the people I know at the CIA call the Rat Pack. Uh, they've been running scams on the presidency and on the public and the media for 30, 40 years. And I know quite a number of the people in this organization personally. And so this, this consultant team, the very large team here in DC, you know, said, look, they're very supportive of what we're doing. Uh, with disclosure, bringing out the technologies, and also the science of consciousness and contact. They're totally on board. Um, and so they said, but we got a problem because we have learned that the president and vice president have been targeted by this same team of people, uh, but some higher level ones that had brainwashed Tom DeLong and the TTSA group. And they've been in the White House, in the Vice President's Office, the President's Office, and its Senate Intelligence Committee, providing them with all kinds of disinformation about the alien threat, which was, of course, the part of the genesis of the Space Force. And, of course, I knew this already, by the way. But they said, we want to help. <laughs> I said, well, so what I've been doing is putting together very specific and succinct content for the vice president and the president and also the president-elect Biden in the last week to get them to understand that the people who are marching up there 
who are providing this disinformation, this false narrative, are the ones who've been doing it for decades. And it's completely, it's all a hoax and it's all a lie. Because unfortunately, they pull the trigger on something that is. Yeah, back. Right. We got to, you know, we got to pull it back. No, I, uh, and so I guess we'll kind of look at follow up thing, though, not like necessarily that per se. But so no, what I'm saying is that these things are on a rail running down a track. Right. So people go, how did the Space Force? You know, I said, look, there's a backstory that the media is not reporting. Right. And the backstory is that the executive branch and now key members of Congress have been brainwashed to this alien threat. And they are, they, I, I was told, and I'm quoting, they have made the assessment that it's a threat to the national security. So I don't have to, pre I don't have to convince these leaders in our country or others that the ETs are real, the UFOs are real, they know that. They have been convinced recently to take actions that if they are left unchecked, could be an absolutely, an existential threat to the future of our civilization. So it's very dangerous, um, you know, and what I'm telling people is that, you know, the countervailing, the reason we made this movie, Close Encounters, was as an anecdote to that, to that virus. I mean, the worst virus, yeah. worse than COVID, is the virus of fear and the virus of disinformation that has infected the halls of Congress, the White House, and, and elsewhere, and the media. So, you know, the best way to solve that is for the public, A, to know the truth, to B, is to go out and make contact with these civilizations themselves. And that's why we put together also, we crashed this new app out. I mean, it came out at the same time as the documentary, Counters mm -hmm. of the Fifth Kind, because the documentary is informational and fun, but it doesn't tell you how to do it. Whereas the CE5 Contact app is step-by-step -step how to do it, how to form a team, et cetera. So that's why we did all that uh, between April and now. Of course, you know, we were going to do a whole lot of things, got shut down post COVID. But, um, but I think that the, it's, a, it's, an, uh, it's, it's a very dangerous time right now. Not COVID, but what's going on in, uh, with the media supporting this narrative with very key people who are influencers jumping on the national security threat of the aliens. Um, the White House and others being, uh, you know, deceived. And so what we're trying to do publicly is to get a momentum going in a positive direction that mm -hmm. is healing to the planet. And what we're doing quietly, uh, you know, with people that I, I work with who are luckily have direct access to these key people, um, is to get them to get a different perspective on this so that they view this as an opportunity. So what I'm recommending to ask your question is that the space force be turned into an agency that protects space for peace and facilitates open contact between human civilization and these other civilizations. And that we, we do need uh, logistics. We do need things that would facilitate that in a more open way but that they avoid this, 
this, this uh, confrontational approach and stand those down. So I'm in the process of, of, of putting together a series of executive orders and recommendations. Uh, whether or not they're heated or not is all I can do is advise. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not the president. I'm not the president-elect. I'm not a member of Congress. Um, but what I'm trying to do is provide the evidence and the information and then also the perspective of what, how to take the current situation and sort of transform it into something that would actually be wonderful for the planet. Um, so that's really what I'm focused on in D.C. so often. I just, I just want to say this first, Eric. I, for like a couple of minutes ago, I kind of, I felt like I zoned out. But so I'm looking at my screen and I see that you guys up top. And the both screens kind of flickered black, and it said, "Ask the and I, I, the voice, my headphone said, "Ask the question." Mm-hmm. And when I, that's why I made the comment, like, "Oh, we don't have to talk about it," because I was talking to the voice. I just heard my, it was the most weird. Like I got goosebumps, mm-hmm. just I, weird. I that oh god, I know we talked about that on the bus when you came out to the show last yeah. year, where mm-hmm. these different feelings and voices and stuff. But that that's the oh god. Asked, That's crazy. Yeah. Well, he asked the question. I don't know if that was the question they were telling. Yeah, it's just super weird because you guys both like froze and it, like flickered black, and it said uh-huh. I heard the voice of my head say, "Ask the question," and that and was, oh god. Well, what question do you want to ask? I don't know. I I don't know. Like <laughs> it's because when you're when you're talking about the space force, like my follow up was going to be basically if these extraterrestrial beings are watching us and obviously they're present and we can communicate with them but if they're seeing the creation of the space force or this pandemic where's the fear or disconnect in actually reaching out to them and maybe they might have the cure to the pandemic or I, it's just i don't know i'm very just drawn into that whole if they're there if they're present with us listening and watching how come they're not reaching out themselves to as opposed to us coming to them well, I know it sounds horny, but it's a little bit like the prime directive. I mean, mm. it, 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 let, let's, let's unpack what you asked. Let's say they did what you're asking instantly. And I mean, within the intelligence community and their, their skills, their lackeys in the media would immediately take any overaction like that from another civilization, from another planetary system as an incursion and interference into our world. And that would be done as an invasion, an alien invasion. So they're in a very difficult situation. We have to be the interlocutors. We have to be the uh, go-between. Those of us who understand that they're here and uh, and people on the planet who are just learning, we have to sort of be that force. Now, we can make direct contact. But the idea, I call it kind of uh, the term I coined years ago, is cosmic codependency, where people think that another civilization is going to come here and fix the mess we've made. Right. You know, that's not their job. That's our job. That's your job. That's my job. Uh, they're here to understand and to help to an extent they can without it being disruptive. But because there's so many, I mean, if you look at all the movies, like War of the Worlds and uh, Independence Day, and all this stuff, the, the public is so conditioned to almost in a Pavlovian way, reactionary way, uh, react to anything, quote, alien, 
as a threat. Those two words have come together. And that's been psychological conditioning for 60, 70 years. So that these civilizations know that we have to first correct that error and then create an outreach program to make contact. And at some point, it would be great if the governments of the world would do so. Right. We hinted at the fact that the French government under uh, Nicolas Sarkozy, President Sarkozy, I have a beautiful letter from his minister of defense, an admiral, Moran, who's also an MD, like myself, and, and a PhD in physics. And he said, look, we want to make a long-term commitment to make contact and learn these protocols. And actually did wow. an expedition in France. Um, it was the public didn't know we were doing it at the time. It was a weekend training event that was open to the public, but the Admiral and his team were there in, in plain clothes. And they were learning these techniques to make contact and take it forward. Subsequently, they had U.S. interests threaten them, and there were a lot, there was a whole drama behind that we don't have time for. But, um, but what I'm saying is that there are people pivoting in that direction. Now, you know, every four to eight years, we have a new president. Every two years, we have a new House of Representatives, uh, and, and, the, and the Senate keeps shifting around. So it, it's a difficult thing because each time you're starting at zero in the sense that you have people who come in, in, let's say, into the Oval Office, who then will have people who will come in from the agency, the CIA and others, who will then give them all this false information about the subject that keeps them, A, silent, and B, on the direction of putting weapons in space and targeting these objects. So, you know, usually most presidents aren't told anything or very little. Like Jimmy Carter complained that they wouldn't tell him anything. Hmm. And uh, and Clinton made similar comments, although he was given, a, you know, supervised <laughs> information. There was a CIA guy that I know personally who was went into the Oval Office to kind of clean up the mess because the president and, and his team were furious that they had been denied access to the information. But, um, you know, I guess I'm sort of a bit of a troublemaker here in the city that way. But um, it, you need to have someone who's going to be, you know, saying, look, this isn't correct what you're being told. Who's going to tell them? So, you know. 60 minutes, you know, CBS News. They're not gonna, so I think this is one of the real crises is um, and that Eisenhower, you know, foretold was that the more these super secret projects go forward and the more power they amass, the more they can affect, you know, the future and the outcome and really destroy democracy and, and freedoms. Um, and unfortunately, now we're living in that era where that's come to pass. I mean, uh, the, the big risk of, you know, is that the ETs are going to respond to individuals and teams of individuals in a way that's kind of subtle and nuanced until there's a consensus on the planet. Now, the good news is, and this is some other another front that I'm working on that the public might be interested in. Um, I know we've gone a bit long here, but it's all good. The 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 the, the, the Russian Federation and Vladimir Putin are very in favor of preserving space for peace and making peaceful contact with these other civilizations. I have very high up people on my team who are connected to the Kremlin, and that is an affirmative. Mm. China is also, and so are a number of other countries. 
Um, 122 countries have signed an agreement to, to prevent the placement of weapons in space. Um, now, the US, UK are holdouts on that. Um, and, but eventually, you know, the, the tide is turning. And also the Vatican is very much in favor of a uh, peaceful disclosure on this subject. But none of them want to stick their necks out first. Uh, you know, the predominant power of the United States and the U.S. military and our economy. I mean, let's face it. I mean, this is a big issue. Uh, causes it to, to really end up landing back into the U.S., which I have been advocating again because I've been frustrated now for, you know, 27 years since I briefed the first CI director for Clinton on this. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, other countries need to step up but um, eventually that may happen. But when I've approached other leaders in other countries, I've met with ministers of defense of Canada, United Kingdom, Australia. They always say, no, not ahead of the United States. No, not ahead of the United States. So I think that it's a real problem. And that's why we still need to, we need an informed citizenry, as uh, the President Eisenhower said. And we need a activist uh, and the whole CE5 contact community is an activist approach. And we also need more whistleblowers. Like I just want to give kudos to this gentleman coming forward on, uh, on, on, on Sunday, on, on November 22nd. Um, now we have videotaped him and have the, the drawings and everything of this ET craft that was retrieved. Um, I mean, this guy was threatened with punishment, including treason, which includes mm. the death penalty ever speaking about this event but we need to have thousands of people like that come forward and people say how can he do that and not be prosecuted i said because in 1997 we uh, put a legal process in and most people don't know this it's not in the documentaries uh, and we basically established that the projects that were running the secrecy on ufos was an illegal unconstitutional program therefore everyone who signed a non-disclosure agreement with the military, a corporation or intelligence, they are exonerated. They are freed from that secrecy oath because the program that is underlying the oath is itself a criminal enterprise. And we can prove that in a court of law. I mean, Daniel Sheehan and I and another constitutional attorney who's a very conservative attorney who, who works with the, the Federalist Society, um, so we have both conservative and liberal constitutional attorneys who come together and said, yes, this is absolutely the case. Therefore, any man, woman who has worked in the military intelligence community or corporation who knows about this subject can come forward and they cannot be prosecuted. And if they are, we will go to bat for them. Now, interestingly, since we first launched the Disclosure Project in 2001, um, We've had dozens of people come forward publicly. We get on my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash Dr. Stephen Greer 55, uh, Dr. DR, not spelled out. Um, you'll see that there are like 70 top secret military guys. The testimony's up there, anyone can see it. Um, and the reason none of them have even gotten a phone call saying, shut up, is because I have told them if they are approached that way, they notify me and whoever made that threat will be taken care of. Hmm. So it's, 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 you know, it's hardball, but you know, there, this guy coming forward is a fairly young guy. 
He was only 22 in, in 2002 when he was on board this vessel that retrieved this ET craft. And, you know, obviously it's a very uh, frightening thing. And, and I've actually been talking to him for two years to get to get him to come forward. So it's a process. We need more heroes. These, these are to me. These are real heroes who understand the future of our planet and the future of our country is not going to happen without some people making, taking a risk and making a sacrifice. You know, I gave up my medical career, mm -hmm. but most people, they kind of are entertained by the subject, but they don't understand the gravity uh, and the implications of it. And if they did, they would actually do more. You know, so I really applaud people like Demi Lovato sticking her neck out. Because yeah. I mean, I'm sure when she and I did that global CE5 meditation at Joshua Tree, there were people who trolled her on social media, as they do me every day. But so yeah. what? I don't care. I mean, you know, uh, I, you know, the only thing I'm interested in is the truth. Um, and I'm with you on that, man. I would love to. Uh, I'd love to participate in in one whenever we could make it happen. That would be that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I. I, so I, I, to that point, the point you're making about sort of America clogging up the the progress, so to speak, in in certain ways, um, out of the you know I'll, I'll say the the lifers in Congress, the people who we kind of know aren't going to be voted out necessarily, and and then the executive branch uh, of our government. How many individuals? And you don't have to name names. I'm just asking for numbers. How many individuals do you personally know of who are who are genuinely open to this to, 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 to this kind of thing a uh, and and uh, uh, B a kind of a second question that I had going back you know knowing that presidents are presidents and generals are, are going to be generals and I'm not saying that I'm not saying generals are going to be generals in a disparaging way because I come from a military family mm -hmm. just knowing the military mind you know um, right. uh, uh, what are the actual chances of something like space force being re uh, you know the 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 purpose of space force being reallocated to something more positive than something destructive and negative. I think it's inevitable. It's a question of how much uh, damage do we want to go through to get there. You know what I tell people is that the, the outcome is known. The process, what where we are now, and where the outcome is, that's what's shaky, and it can be smooth. It can be very rough. Um, I recommend that we take the uh, smooth enlightened path, but people who are addicted to war and violence and hate and division, you know, unfortunately, those kind of demagogues tend to have their way. And and one of the problems with it is that our culture, I mean, I, by, even by the time I stepped on the scene, except for a few movies like Spielberg, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T., most of the, most of the pop culture on this subject, almost all of the UFO subjects and conferences and organizations are squarely on the side of the evil, dangerous alien threat, you know? Okay, so I know that I'm a very much a minority voice. And um, that brainwashing, the, the counterintelligence programs that were launched in the 50s, I have a CIA document that talks about, signed by the CIA director. Um, after I briefed the, the Bill Clinton CIA director, I got a box, a huge box of hundreds of pages, maybe a thousand pages of CIA documents about this subject. And one of them was a 1950, I think it was 54 uh, document from a CIA and it was signed by the director uh, Smith. 
And he said, basically, the psychological warfare value of this subject is very great and that they need to exploit it. So that whole psychological warfare brainwashing project got launched in the 50s before I was born. Mm. So um, I think that, you know, we're living, you know, 60, 70 years into an era of pop culture, movies, TV shows, uh, uh, everything out there on the Internet, most people. Uh, receiving information that scares the hell out of them with this subject. And guess what? Members of Congress are just as gullible as the general public. Uh, now, I've met with a lot of members of Congress. I say that a significant number of people in Congress are interested in this subject, but they're very afraid to stick their neck out on it, mainly because they don't want to be ridiculed. Mm. <laughs> okay, so this is, you know, I had, a, I had an Air Force major say, you know, Everyone makes these grand conspiracy theories, which of course are always wrong. He says the, the main way that we may want to keep this secret is to just be sure that anyone who surfaces on the subject is ridiculed and is laughed at. And humans are mostly still in grade school where they're terrified of being bullied and ridiculed and laughed at, which is why people who know the truth about this and know everything shared in this call in the last hour or so is true, we'll never say anything publicly about it. And I'm talking academics, Nobel Prize winners, members of the Congress, people who have been in very high positions at the UN that I've met with. They go, yes, but it'll be the end of my reputation and career if I talk about this. So, And it isn't because they think somebody's going to come and kill them. They, they just think that the New York Times and the mainstream media are going to call them Governor Moonbeam. Or yeah. whatever, yeah. You know, seriously. So, you know, what you refer to the tinfoil hat thing. So, I think that the, the fear of ridicule has been embedded psychologically. Yeah. And that's so few people will step forward. And, um, you know, and why I was advised not to in my medical career. Yeah. We, we've just, we just got to get people past the, the, the fear of, you know, being kicked out of the tribe and their negativity bias and, and all right. these things that are ingrained, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's a difficult thing. It really it's is. You know? Yeah. It's all conditioning. Yeah. And, and I think this is why, you know, when people say, how has this gone on so long? I said, well, the, 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 it's because of what we discussed, but also there's a paucity of courage. And I tell this is why I get back to this gentleman coming forward uh, with this account from uh, Guam uh, and, and the Marianas Trench where this this ET craft was retrieved. He said that you know um, it, it's it's a it's an act of enormous courage. But you find that this is also true when you're dealing with people who are, to be honest with you, in in high places, whether it's military, government, corporate, media. Uh, because, you know, they don't want to suffer the, the sort of ridicule of their peers. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that this is where um, courage becomes so important. And, and, and uh, with the people who are willing to come forward and speak the truth, I, you know, I applaud them. I actually, I, that's one of the first things I told Demi when I met her a few months ago. I said, you know, it's really wonderful for you. I mean, she has almost 100 million people who follow her on Instagram and um, to to come out on a subject like this because it's it's very difficult and I'm sure a lot of people around her would wish her not to um, and but ultimately I think it's going to take a lot of people to get find their voices 
to courageously, you know, and I'm old enough to remember, you know, I had a, I had a, a, a African-American girlfriend in high school in, in North Carolina. Mm. And I would run over. I think there were a bunch of guys who were racist, tried to kill me, run me over with a car because I had a black girlfriend. And so I, I've seen the whole racial thing from the 60s, 70s to now. I've seen the whole uh, LGBT, gay rights, women's rights, all this. But this issue of, of the fact we're not alone in the universe has got to be normalized. You know, it used to be if you were gay or something, you couldn't talk about that either. I mean, you were like put away and arrested. Mm -hmm. um, um, if you had an interracial relationship, you could be imprisoned in the South for an interracial uh, relationship and marriage. So, you know, society has to evolve. The problem is the technologies and the, the weapon systems that have been developed that are now what I was referring to about a half hour ago being de deployed and that we have key people in our government who have been brainwashed by this national security threat narrative. That's a complete hoax, by the way. That is really dangerous. So we're kind of, you know, we don't have another 50 years to sort of like fuck around. We need to kind of like grow up and yeah. figure out what we're going to do when we grow up as a civilization, and, you know, as a, as a global planetary society. Well, I, I I uh, I actually wanted to uh, John, if it's okay with you. I know, like I'm I'm on John's show. No, and I'm just do like, it. I'm no, just like it. you know, I'm yeah. making it the Eric Bash show all of a sudden that I feel bad. But, I, uh, I have a thousand and one questions. I actually recounted this story to Dr. Greer one time. We, we, he was when he was at the show and we were in the back of the bus, um, and I didn't really know how to unpack what I had experienced until I watched. Uh, uh, the, the first documentary I, I read and I, I'd read the book, but it wasn't until I watched the documentary. I was kind of able to maybe unpack what, what had happened. And I asked you about this and I, it's, it's kind of the only a really truly personal experience I've had with, with, with anything like, you know, CE five or anything like that. And I, and I, I still don't know if that's what it was, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to recount it again is that I, I, uh, when I was in my, my uh, early twenties, um, I had my first experience with the sleep paralysis. You know, I didn't know what this was, and and I thought I was having a stroke, literally. Like my, I heard my 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 then girlfriend, my now wife, come walking down the stairs, and I was going to sit up and talk to her, and I couldn't move, and I couldn't I couldn't figure out what was going on. And and since then, I've had many 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 experiences with with that, and and somewhere I've tried to harness it and 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 maybe you know levitate myself and move you know move move about the room and whatnot. And I I don't really tell a lot of people this again because you don't want the ridicule, you know. Of, of and this is something as simple as is, is this, uh, but um, I had an experience uh, one evening. Uh, we'd we'd come off a tour, and and I only seem able to 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 fall into that state when my mind is at peace. Right. Um, it, like I haven't. I actually I have not had a, a, a lucid dream or whatever you would like to call it. I haven't had one in in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I've just been in this constant state of go and turmoil and 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 uh, stress. You know. But it, this is actually, I believe, the last time it happened. Um, but I was, I was in bed, and I, you can kind of feel it coming on. Anyone who has it, I, maybe you can understand what I'm talking about. You kind of feel it happening, right. and then you're, and then you're in that state, and you have to kind of calm yourself down if you, if you want to stay there to not, to not panic. Uh, and I remember calming myself. It felt, it, it felt like only three or four seconds, and I, I opened my eyes in, in my mind. And outside of my window was a triangle, right. just a triangle. 
And then I heard a voice that just said, hello. And I, I freaked out and I, and I, I pulled myself out of it as fast as I could. Uh, it just, it just, and the thing is the voice wasn't, it wasn't my voice. I knew it wasn't my voice. Right. Uh, and it kind of had a, it was, it was, it was, it was a very strange sounding voice. It was no accent that I knew. No, I don't know exactly know how to describe it, but it said, it, it said, hello. Right. And man, I just, I, you know, I, I had a panic and I, and I wish I'd stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't know if, if it wasn't until I watched, uh, unacknowledged and, and we talked about, and I read the book as well. And, and talked about, uh, the fact that the, the, the communication via consciousness, I don't know if that's what was going on or not, but it felt very personal. It felt, it felt very real. It felt very, uh, if someone was speaking to me, to me, not, you know, it wasn't a dream. It was, I was, I was awake in my mind. I was, I was conscious of what was going on right. and, and seeing that triangle was very odd as well. You know, it was, and, right. and of course it wasn't there when I, when I, when I actually woke up into the physical world, it wasn't there anymore. Um, right. Well, remember, here's something that connects the dots for people. Uh, we, we allude to this a little bit in the Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind documentary, but any civilization that is actually interstellar means they have to go between star systems. They have to go beyond the speed of light. When you go beyond the speed of light, everything, including like an object like this, everything resonantly shifts to where it's beyond this dimension 3d and are in an energy field that closely approximate the what the mystics would used to call the astral field of the dream state the out-of-body experience what have you and when they're in that state they can go from point a to b almost instantly Hmm. now similarly their communication systems are integrated with thought, not just random thought, but directed intense thought, what I call coherent thought, just like a laser is coherent light. So when someone is in this state of consciousness, either deep meditation, lucid dream state, what have you, they can enter into, let's call it a dimension that very much is where interstellar vehicles and civilizations can maneuver. Now they can be fully on 3D, you know, obviously, because I tell when they're not down, they're in a 3D state. Um, when our weapon systems have shot them down and they have physical bodies, et cetera, and so on. But they can also shift. And it, this is all what's called trans-dimensional physics, very high voltage system that will allow a craft and everyone on it to shift resonantly into a, we call it a frequency or dimension but that is within this dimension that is more subtle. And therefore, when you're in that state of meditation consciousness, you can only see them, but you can hear them and communicate. So that's the foundation, the science of consciousness and these other dimensions is the foundation of the next thousand, 2000 years of human evolution. Again, you know, there's a great deal of excellent science that's been done at, at Princeton and elsewhere dealing with consciousness and thought and random number generators and machines and what have you. But now let's apply that on a cosmic level where you have an entire planetary civilization that can go from point A to B in space, communicate with conscious thought with electronic devices that are very refined as easily as you and I are here on this call. 
uh, electronically. Now, what we're doing right now is at the speed of light, but that's too slow. I always look at the speed of light is way too slow for interstellar. So by definition, any civilization that is here from another star system have mastered the physics of the science of consciousness, the material sciences of shifting out of one dimension into another and back. And that's why an experience like yours is so validating. I always tell people that um, probably the most over the term of human history, the most common way humans have had actual contact with extraterrestrial people and civilizations is in the deep meditative state, the lucid dream state, these sort of deeper states of consciousness. And it's not to say that you can't have it in full on waking and it's outside your window. I've had that happen, and, and you've seen in the video, the mm -hmm. uh, CD5 uh, documentary, Close Encounters with this Sign has, you know, and by the way, 99% of all the photos and videotape we have is on the cutting room floor. Hmm. Oh, you, can't, you can't do a two hour documentary, it'd be a, a 200 hour documentary. But the point is, is that this is, this is uh, completely makes sense when you step back and think about what is the paradigm of a faster than the speed of light civilization. And when you go through what I call the crossing point of light, faster than the speed of light, the speed of electron, the speed of matter, the resonant frequency of matter, you're in these other dimensions that ironically, the aboriginals of Australia or the, or, you know, my, my grandmother was Cherokee, the native peoples of this country and other kind of places, they get this. The Celtic mm. people got this. Uh, it's only kind of the recent modern scientific materialistic age where these sort, this sort of understanding has gotten to be considered uh, nonsense. Now, I think in the future, what we're going to see is that these deeper sciences of consciousness and other dimensions and thought and what have you are going to get more and more validated by mainstream physics and science. And that will open up more and more our society to this as something that's not, you know, a Ouija board or something, hoping, <laughs> but something for real, you know. And uh, but the experience you you had is is something that, you know, thousands and thousands of years of humans have experienced. My yeah. last question actually ties into this is people that have an experience like Eric or whoever. Is there a place where they could go to share these experiences or is this include just hey, reach out to Dr. Steve Greer or CE5 oh, app, or how do these people connect with other people so they can talk well, about Well, actually it, it is. I mean, the beautiful thing about this new app, which right. we only didn't have a feature, is that the CE5 contact app now has the ability for you to get on and see who is in your area doing this, or if you're traveling. And then you can get, you know, connect with them and form teams and talk and we're also setting up a membership system so that people can share these experiences. I mean, again, we're doing this on a shoestring. And, and by the way, the app was all done by someone donated, donated enough money for a team in India to do it. And, wow. and I, a team of volunteers supervise it in their, in, at night after their day job. So, you know, it, it, this is all stuff we're trying to develop. But that does exist. And it actually helps people have a place to actually share these experiences, but also grow their experience, like get together because you know that old expression, God loves those who work uh, together. 
um, that, you know, when you go out lay under a starry night with by yourself, you might get a little freaked out, you know, but if you have a group of people, you know, and you have a bond with, and you've developed a relationship with, um, then when you go out and one of these objects appears or an ET being appears in your circle or next to your circle, like you see in these photographs in the, in the documentary, then you're not going to like just completely freak out about it because you're going to be there with people you know and trust. You feel a little more secure because people are afraid of the unknown. We're conditioned as, as humans, the fight or flight response. If it's something strange, we kind of dash. That's normal. And uh, one of the things that I tell people that really helps you stay in the moment and let the contact experience go on and on and on is to go into deep meditative states regularly. Because when you're in that deep meditative state and higher consciousness, um, in the Bhagavad Gita, I, I think uh, Krishna said to Arjuna on the battlefield, he said, a little of this, with a capital T, meaning this state of unbounded consciousness, eliminates all fear. So if you're in that deep state of consciousness, we realize that you and I are actually one great being resonating from this field of cosmic mind, you're not afraid of anything. And so that state of consciousness is almost, you know, what they call the Shambhala warrior, the spirit warrior, not violent physically, but where you're in a state where you, there's no fear because you can then proceed into any kind of experience without being afraid. So I tell people that the best way to get into that experience and stay in it, even if it's 3D and you're out under the stars, with people is to be able to center in that deep, quiet state of consciousness. And that enables you to be sort of anchored and stable. Yeah, I have, some, I have some practice to do with that for sure. Yeah, it's, well, that's why you know, I take people on these week long expeditions under the stars. And yeah, I did this with Demi Lovato and her friends and Maud's son and some others of, of last month because they really wanted to learn how to do that so they could be in that state. Mm. When, when things would be happening, we had a lot happen all around us. It was amazing. And so, but it, it's sort of the, 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 the CE5 contact app actually has the entire meditation and all that in it. So I tell people it's a, it's a practice and it does help to do it with other people. Though I think when you're with a, a group of people doing it, there's a certain, um, the whole's greater than the sum of the parts, as it were. There's a sort of a resonant effect that everyone being in that state really uh, helps. And that's why I'm going to, you know, before the premiere uh, on Friday, I'm going to do a CD5, just a short, you know, 10 minute global yeah. meditation for everybody. Yeah. Well, I have to say that, uh, that I, I, I think that the generations that are coming up now should feel very fortunate to have uh, the CD5 documentary and the uh, unacknowledged documentary as well. I think that if I had had these things when I were if access to these things when I was younger, I would have come up with a whole different mindset about um, extraterrestrials, etc. And and you know, again, you know, science fiction kind of drove that, right? You know, drove that for me. And and now, you know, the, the I, I think what hopefully what we'll see out of this is 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 a more open mind and open consciousness of of society. I I don't think there is I don't think there's ever been a a, a more uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I think I think the CE five documentary is 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 the best evidence we've ever had of of peaceful 
the peacefulness of extraterrestrials and of, and of contact. And so I think that that, that being said, um, it will, uh, now that people have access to this, it's gonna, you know, the, that 1% will, will we, we can arrive there a lot faster. Yeah, that's why we did it. And to be honest with you, it's, um, it, it's really helpful that all of you guys sort of, you know, put this out on your social media and get the word out. And that's just how we're doing it. Um, and the kind of that's how it happens person to person. Um, we certainly don't have the government and institutional support, but yeah. we, can have, we can have good support from you guys. Well, I've enjoyed speaking with you guys again. And, hey, enjoyed it well. If you get up to Charlottesville, Virginia, let me know, or DC, I'm, I'm either one or place or the other most of the time. Yeah, man. If you're ever down in the in the Carolinas, I'm down here in Charleston. Just you yeah. know, come, come on out and hang out, man. We'll, yeah, we'll, I used to go there all the time when we lived in Asheville, North Carolina. We'll, yeah. we'll 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 sit down on the dock and uh, and do a do a do a C do a, do a C five. Ron, where are you these days? I'm actually at a UFO right now. Have fun. I am uh, from the galaxy and say like a bijou that that you see that appears. Yeah, you guys look good from up here. No, I'm actually in Massachusetts, so. Oh, okay. But, but uh, I do want to thank Eric, uh, bass player Shinedown, Dr. Greer. This has been awesome. And I actually wrote down about 20 other questions oh, yeah. that well, wasn't even thinking about. So I'm going to it, put it together. Never, it'll never end. I know. It's a lot. Well, look, I'm to thank you guys. And I hope yeah. everyone watching on my channels, I hope to see you guys at the premiere on Friday, November 20th. And then the workshop is all day on uh, the 22nd. Yeah. And, um, we're going to just uh, keep this rolling. And I do want to thank everyone who supported this. And like I said, there's 5,000 people who contributed to make this happen. And so that we could create a, a really good um, documentary and an app and, and kind of move all this forward. So I'd like to thank all the thousands of people who contributed. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Greer. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Bye-bye. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.